This week in the parish of Borsus and Market Structure, TMX completes a Vetify acquisition, LSEG under duress with talk of a race to the bottom as a new ice age commences. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest, episode 227. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest Daily Subscriber Newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details and, indeed, details of your free 30-day trial for new subscribers at exchangeinvest.com. It's a very interesting moment in the parish. Leadership of Young's Pyramid has changed. You will recall Young's Pyramid measures the size of each market infrastructure operator by the market cap of the operating company. It's a simple objective metric, albeit leads some exchanges to go demented as they perceive their value as much greater than the market ascribes to them. Anyway, amongst the most liquid of them all, there has been a change at the very top of Young's Pyramid in Tier 1. CME Group, which has been more or less the leader for years, aside from brief spurts by Hong Kong exchanges and ICE, It's now, CME, essentially $1.5 billion behind ICE. It's not huge, but it's instructive of a long-term cyclical change. Of course, CME may argue that ICE is now a massive mortgage processor, which is not an unreasonable assertion. But then again, it's also surely another explicit argument against CME's strategy. For CME have followed ASX down the value-destructive, or at least non-value-additive, route of monopoly milking. To that end, there ought to be nothing holding back a company with an apparent monopoly on the US yield curve and first mover advantage in the classic US energy markets, etc. However, as we know, the energy market is in mega transition and post-Cushing crisis, CMA NYMEX WTI looks a lot like a contract beloved of indexers and other often retail-focused products, rather than the folks clearly involved in the extraction, production refining, usage, which seems to be slipping as effortlessly as a midland barge being moved from one floating mooring to another. It's a huge event either way. Eltel didn't have to move into mortgages, but he needed to give CME some growth oomph. Instead, CME seemed to have doubled down on ex-consultants armed with metaphorical clipboards, and thus what was always a torrid, politicised management structure has ended up inward-focused more than looking out, not merely beyond the loop, but the big world thingy we often discuss here. There's no argument ICE has the best team and the best management overall in the business, albeit there are some worrying signs big company syndrome is a moderate issue. Then again, it would be a bigger shock if it weren't in a $75 billion company that's grown from startup in a little over 20 years. Notwithstanding that perma battle to stop mendacious mediocrity affecting the salaried ranks, ICE is deservedly the most highly valued exchange group of the moment. Welcome to the new ICE age. Over in BitCarnage, when SBF was ripping off clients to his exchange, it was the crime of the century. Curiously, when it came to prosecuting him for seeking to pervert US democracy by paying off the polys, there's no need for a trial. 
Therein may lie a moral for the age, or just more blob bureaucracy, which is definitely a moral for the age. The vague reasoning is delays to sentencing because of Bahamas issues with extradition, but it may well suit a lot of politically connected folk in an election year if we don't have a trial where, for example, we would have to watch that excruciating kiss being blown from committee chair Maxine Waters, and she is just one of hundreds of exposed figures. Thus, the whole buying of DC gets pushed under the carpet, and I am not alone in thinking it is a murky, squalid mess which discredits the US political system just as much as their indelicate trousering of SBF stolen cash in the first place. We'll be recording the ramifications of the SEC on Bitcoin's ETF's Jan 10 deadline in next week's podcast, as there's going to be obviously a lot of aftermath. But there is, to finish today's bulletin, a somewhat apt metaphor for the world of crypto version 1.0, and specifically Bitcoin on this week's podcast. BitMEX trumpeted sending Bitcoin to the moon on January the 8th at 2.18am Eastern Time from Cape Canaveral, albeit they had to create a 43-gram physical facsimile of a Bitcoin with a wallet address engraved upon it because, obvs, BTC isn't physical. Thus, in this case, going astral DeFi involves a nebulous proxy. Is there any limit to the shameless self-promotion of the crypto era? Probably not. However, In an incident which will rate between bad luck through to entirely karmic, depending on your belief in crypto version 1.0, a fuel leak has fatally compromised the private mission to the moon. The rocket will instead be doomed to rattle around space until either it falls back to Earth or gets clobbered by some other space junk. If you enjoyed this excerpt, you may be interested to know that you can read BitCarnage every day in Exchange Invest. Alternatively, if you want to follow BitCarnage, the daily update on happenings in the world of crypto and digital assets as a standalone, you can find BitCarnage separately on Substack. In the UK, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, the Financial Minister, has reportedly met with city grandees all about London's listing crisis. A sensible idea has emerged from the flaccid current UK Finmin, the deeply disappointing Mr Hunt. He is on sensible ground with his proposal, arguing that there could be UK fund investments made which have to be used to deliver a wall of money, a better wall of money, to invest solely in London-listed stocks. That's an excellent idea, delivering a better wall of money to UK-listed companies because the worry remains that the buy side itself has become so risk-averse, so therefore, obviously, that's going to have to be somewhat improved at all. Nevertheless, this wall of money approach worked for Poland. The brilliant Leszek Balcerowicz, the Finmin who took the job when many others would not, enshrined a deeply sensible law that Polish pension funds must invest half their funds in the Warsaw Stock Exchange. That's a great idea, which was curtailed at the altar of the single market by Brussels, understandably, albeit given Brussels' CMU aims, albeit disappointing given the drab fiasco's CMU has turned out to be. Anyway, the point is a targeted national wall of money can be a great thing for encouraging new content to list on stock exchanges. This move came in the same week Muddy Waters' Karsten Block warned that London must avoid a race to the bottom. He meant in listing standards terms as opposed to just being a void of IPOs per se, incidentally. Nonetheless, a spirit of crazed parsimony is hitting innovation across the UK-listed markets where management are expected to indulge in near servitude for the firms they run. Or, as is often the case, you pay peanuts and, out of the branches, hey presto, a C-suite swings off a low-hanging branch. 
Even French CEOs earn 50% more on average than UK counterparts. That's CAC 40 versus FTSE 100. In the USA, it's at least 3x. The bizarrest thing is that amidst the reluctance to pay for good management and great entrepreneurs, the same folks whinging about management salaries see nothing wrong in paying millions to watch grown men chase inflated pig's bladders. It's a funny old world. And by the way, very, very good luck to all those who can earn any outside return from entertaining the public, whether via chasing pig's bladders or whatever. At the same time, there has been a spot-on remark by the LSE CEO. She says the public need to get over superstar CEO salaries. Here, here. Still in London and on its current IPO torpor, there's no need to run the sweepstake on the dumbest broker idea of 2024. Peel Hunt have scooped the award with the imbecilic notion the UK government should stop firms listing away from London. I know, the UK is in the eye of a storm with a vile lefty pillock topping the charts to be the next PM, but hashtag seriously, is that the best an analyst can suggest? Meanwhile, in private markets, Carter caused a collapse in its own valuation, which was previously well over $7 billion at the start of last week, certainly. They had a heroic piece of mismanagement where they crossed the Chinese wall, a big no-no, to call shareholders lest they might buy some Carter offered stock in a company which was also on Carter's database of share registry, share cap management. Carter's private markets platform has been promptly closed after an outcry across Silicon Valley. That triggered all manner of discussions, but the platform nonetheless is dead, which deeply affects the $7.4 billion value that Carter previously had. In this case, the conflict of interest between doing the cap table, which was about $10,000 per annum in subscription recurring revenue, and running the market involved 2% per side per commission for a done deal albeit in this case, actually, it was impossible to trade without alerting the existing investors, so it seems to have been a deal that could never have been offered in the first place. Nevertheless, a $2.5 million deal, as posed, was worth $100,000 to Carter's bottom line. Uh-oh. Of course, in a proper CSD, this wouldn't happen, and frankly, Carter looks very exposed right now at its previous $7.4 billion valuation before this cluster mess, and its rather Silicon Valley mission critical business which has 40,000 companies using its services. Now Carta is merely a glorified database. Tricky. In more encouraging news from the Caribbean, the Trinidad and Tobago Stock Exchange reckons it's going to get 18.18 new SME listings by the end of the year, at the same time as they signed an MOU with the Chamber of Commerce. In Korea, the government is pushing to scrap capital gains tax for stock trading, and ABAX are to be applauded. In Singapore, the nascent energy market there, they've announced the signing of agreements for strategic financing in ABAX Singapore. Poor. Finally this week in the big markets area of the world, Euronext have completed a 200 million euro share repurchase program. Just the one new market this week, EGX are planning to launch a new company for financial derivatives trading. In other words, a derivatives exchange. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast.
In Deals News this week, TMX Group completed the acquisition of Vetify. That was acquiring 78% of the common units of Vetify that it didn't already own. It's an efficient, rapid execution by TMX. Interesting times in Canada. I wonder what's next under new chairman Luc Bertrand. If you're trying to work out where the future of markets lies, why not consider a copy of my most recent book, Victory or Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency and the Fintech World. It's published by DV Books and distributed by Ingram Worldwide. Don't forget, while you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, check out our live stream, Tuesdays, 5 o'clock London time, midday New York time, the IPO video live show. Catch the back episodes on LinkedIn and YouTube via IPO-vid. This week we had an absolutely spectacular first review of last year. All the people talking about how they thought the capital market revolution would move forward. Thanks to all of our guests for that segment of the show. That took place and is now archived on all of the usual channels. Facebook, LinkedIn and YouTube. Just go search for IPO-Vid. And coming on Tuesday we're looking ahead to events in 2024 with the inestimable financial astrologer Susan Giddle and the brilliant long-time macro trader and former former director of the CME, Ira Harris. Now, if you're a subscriber to Exchange Invest Weekend, which is absolutely free, by the way, you can get that at exchangeinvest.com for signing up, you will be aware of our Finance Book of the Week for this week. If you're listening to this podcast fresh in, then our Book of the Week is Against the Gods, The Remarkable Story of Risk by Peter L. Bernstein. It's a comprehensive history of man's efforts to understand risk and probability, beginning with early gamblers in ancient Greece up to modern chaos theory. Bernstein explains how the notion of bringing risk under control is one of the central ideas that distinguishes modern times from the distant past. He demonstrates that understanding risk underlies everything from game theory to bridge building to winemaking and beyond. So once again, anybody can sign up for Exchange Invest Weekend for free at exchangeinvest.com, incidentally, and get the scoop a week ahead of this podcast of what's going to be the book of the week. Thanks to all those of you who've engaged with us on the platform for our books of the week. Our next book of the week is going to be availed Saturday in the EI weekend. And don't forget, if you want all the news on the bourse business sent daily to your inbox, subscribe to Exchange Invest via exchangeinvest.com. Right now, it's only $349 per annum to join the exchange of information, but stay tuned. That price is going up soon, so get in now to secure your subscription rate. In product news, Chinese regulators have lifted a stock net selling ban for mutual funds. If nothing else, that makes the pressure on fund redemptions a great deal easier. At the same time, over in India, they have extended and tightened their norms governing short selling, although nonetheless market insiders say that actually what they've really done is clarified the rules to some degree. Elsewhere in product news, Saudi Arabia's Tadawul have launched an index to track the top 50 companies on the national bourse. Technology news this week, KRX's systems operation have been delayed on VNX, the Vietnam exchange. That's due to slight delays as they're ongoing the onboarding of all of the intermediaries across the platform. Spymex, they're aiming to develop a new trading system with VK Tech based on Taran Tool over the course of the next 12 to 18 months, presumably to help make them a lot less sanctions concerned over their use of technology. Meanwhile, the Philippine Stock Exchange had a bit of a whoops nasty on January the 3rd. That was due to a third party front end system provider issue. 
Regulation news. Well, there was more of this in our BitCarnage newsletter during the course of the last week. Christy Goldsmith-Romero chaired the CFTC's Technology Advisory Commission this week, and they released a Digital Asset and Blockchain Technology Subcommittee report. All about decentralised finance. What did they say? Well, they didn't kill it stone dead, but they were certainly very, very concerned that decentralised finance seems to be the realm where you can be remarkably anonymous, and remarkably anonymous just doesn't fit with modern standards for AML and KYC. Kriyapath this week, Shayan has been appointed Secretary of the Party Committee of the Shenzhen Stock Exchange. Xing Guiwei is the new chairman of Hong Kong Interbank Clearing Limited, has been appointed to the Risk Management Committee of the Hong Kong Exchanges Group. And finally, in jobs news this week... We see that interactive brokers have appointed veteran, now retired, analyst of the exchange's market structure and brokers section, Rich Repetto, to its board of directors. One is left to wonder, does this mean IBKR are looking at M&A by appointing Rich to the board? One final big thought for this week. According to the National Stock Exchange of India CEO Ashish Chauhan, there are now some 75 million Indian individual stock investors, and that includes 20 million women. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, thank you for listening to this EI Weekly Podcast 227. Join us daily via exchangeinvest.com or indeed if you have a new exchange or marketplace you'd like to launch, get in touch. My name is Patrick L. Young, builder of markets, publisher of Exchange Invest, and I wish you a great week in life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.